Thanks for listening to the Journey Christian Church podcast. We're on a mission to make disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. Our prayer is that this message encourages you today. And remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible. We are in week two of our series called Awaken. And uh, this week, we're going to be talking about confessing sin. And before I dive into that, we've talked a, a quick recap. Evan Roberts in 1905 led the Welsh revival. And he talks about these, these four points that he uh, kind of saw spark revival. One of them is when people hunger and thirst for more of God. The second one is revival happens when we confess known sin. The third thing uh, that takes place, he says, is revival takes place when we follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And then the fourth one was when we publicly profess Christ. And I actually think these things kind of work cyclical. As you can see, when we hunger and thirst for more God, we'll get into the presence of God. And when we get into the presence of God, that leads to conviction where we confess our sin. When we confess our sin, it allows us to hear God's voice in the Holy Spirit more clearly so that we could obey the prompting. And when we obey what the Holy Spirit tells us, it will give us opportunities to proclaim Christ publicly. So that's kind of where this series Awaken is unfolding. And like I mentioned today, we are in week two confessing known sin. Now, I don't know anybody that gets fired up to talk about confessing sin. And so I don't want you to leave. I don't want you to tune me out. We're going to do a quick icebreaker so we all get comfortable. All right. So here's the icebreaker. I want you to tell the person you're sitting next to or watching next to or whatever, wherever you're at. I want you to tell them one sin that you've done in the past week. Take 30 seconds and share with your neighbor one sin that you've done. I'm just kidding. Don't do, don't do that. If you already started, that's on you. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. You don't need to do that. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you could open up to Genesis chapter two, Genesis, very first book in the Bible and uh, chapter two and three is where we'll be. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to have it on the screen or you could download the version Bible app and follow along there. So in Genesis chapter two and three, we see God make Adam and Eve. He creates humans. And he makes Adam and Eve and he says, you are free to eat anything you want. Just don't, just don't eat from that tree. Okay. And then as we know, Eve eats from the tree and then gives some to Adam. And God gave them a warning. If you eat, you'll die uh, if you eat from that tree. But they both ate and then they realized that they were naked. And so they made clothes out of leaves. And that's where the story picks up. This is Genesis 3, 8, 9. It says this, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord, but the Lord called to the man, Where are you? And so Adam and Eve, after they sinned, the next time they heard God, they hid. And God comes walking in like he normally would and he doesn't see them. And he says, where are you? This is, this is God's very first question to man that he asked long ago. And maybe he's asking that to you and to me today. He might ask, where are you? And maybe 
just maybe you might be in the bushes and he's asking, where are you? And this is how Adam answered. He said this, Adam answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you that you are naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit, that's blame, from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me. What's that? That's blame. And I ate it. And so both of their response was blame and shame. And so here are some stages of sin that we can walk through. First thing that we can do is we could sin and our sin can lead to shame. And our shame leads us to hiding. And hiding is why some of us feel distant from God. And maybe that describes you today. Maybe you feel distant from God and you're not sure why. It may be because unconfessed sin, because what what confessing sin does is it puts us right back in good standing with God. But unconfessed sin can lead to hiding and distance in our relationship with God. Some of you hear this story of Adam and Eve and you're thinking, man, if I was Adam and Eve and God told me I could do whatever, I, I never would have eaten from that tree. I know I wouldn't. If God said you could eat from any of these trees, just don't eat any fruit from there. I, I guarantee I wouldn't. I'm not a fruit guy, so I would have been good. But some of you are like, no, I got enough self-control. I, I would never do that. And, and I would just say, good for you. However, the rest of us, so for those people, not only are you sinful, you also lack self-awareness. But for the rest of us, I think that we would have, because that's what First John one nine says, it says this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So some of you might say, man, I, I wouldn't have eaten that fruit. Some of us, you said, not only would I have eaten the fruit, I may have gone back for seconds. And I think a lot of us, if not all of us, have a sin that we accidentally go back to for seconds, right? Like we, we might lose our anger with someone that we love and we, we repent and we tell God we'll never do that again, only next month to be in the same cycle. Or we look at something we never should have looked at, we repent and then we do it again. Or whatever the case might be, some of us have sin where we go back for seconds. And I don't know a better video that describes what that looks like than this right here. Check this out. Now that's funny. Listen, that's funny. So I love that video that sheep, that the sheep just got rescued. And it took, what, two or three of those leaps and jumps right back into the ditch. And we're thinking, man, what a foolish sheep. And I don't know about you, but sometimes that foolish sheep is me. Sometimes God rescues me out of my sin. And within two or three days, two or three weeks, two or three months, I find myself stuck in sin yet again. And I think that's what Paul was talking about in Romans 7 when he said this, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, 
I do. You see, that video is funny, and I want, to, I want to make sure you understand. I'm not making light or minimizing our sin. I'm very aware that it was my sin that put my Savior on a cross. That, that's how serious my sin and your sin is. And so we're not making light of it, but I think we can relate to that. And so here are several things that I think we need to do in light of our sin. The very first thing I want to encourage you to do is stop hiding. Just like Adam and Eve were hiding, I want to encourage you to stop hiding. Several years ago, I was a student pastor of a church and we we decided, hey, let's throw a Chick-fil-A chicken nugget eating contest. So we we took up a whole Chick-fil-A. We invited uh, athletes, football team, the youth group, and we just we just made it like a, a party. And man, we had a great time. And I was curious to know who would eat, uh, who would be the winner and how many would they eat? And I was thinking in my head, I thought, man, it's probably going to be a football lineman. Well, by the end of the contest, I was shocked when 16-year-old Robert, who weighed 120 pounds, won the Chick-fil-A eating contest. You see, Robert ate 88 chicken nuggets. 88. I don't know how many Chick-fil-A nuggets you would eat, uh, but it's got to be more than zero because if you don't like Chick-fil-A, there might be a problem. I love me some Chick-fil-A. Maybe some of you are like, man, I could eat way more than 88. That's gross. Okay, that's Joey Chestnut that we talked about last night. Gross. I think 88 is impressive. And then uh, on the way out of Chick-fil-A, a little while later, place is packed party and Robert's leaving and the way Chick-fil-A has it they have the entrance and exit right there and he's leaving and as he's leaving in that entrance and exit Robert has those nuggets along with the blue Powerade make its way back up and he just throws it all up right there and I know that's gross and in that moment I'll never forget what happened next Robert made a decision You see, he was in the entrance and exit and he saw his car, which was about 35 feet away or so in the parking lot. It would have been easy for him to get in his car and take off. Or if he turned around, goes back into the restaurant where all his peers, everybody just saw him throw up and the shame that that may have come with, the laughing that that definitely came with. And Robert made the decision to turn back in. and, And what he did is he went and got a mop and he mopped up the entire mess. He cleaned his entire mess, and I was stunned, and I was blown away. And not only were we watching this, the manager of Chick-fil-A was watching. And the manager approached Robert, and on the spot offered him a job at Chick-fil-A, which I believe was his first job. And I'm thinking, I'll never forget, I saw that, and I was Blown away. How in the world do you throw up in a restaurant and land a job? How's that happen? You see, Robert understood what Chuck Swindoll said when he said 10% of life is what happens to you and 90% is how you react to it. You see, that's what Robert did. Robert understood that his whole life wasn't that, that moment of throwing up. That, that wasn't his whole life. Most of his life would be determined on how he reacts to those moments. And I love and I'm so proud of how Robert responded and reacted. 
He just raised his hand. He said, that's me. That's my mess. I'll clean it up. He wasn't trying to hide. He wasn't trying to conceal. He just said, hey, that's me. That's my fault. At Journey, I, I see this with our Jaya women, with our Jaya ministry. I see this with Fresh Start. I see this with our Celebrate and, and Recovery ministries. You see, one of the things that they've learned that some of us maybe haven't realized yet is there is extreme freedom that comes when you're, you decide you're no longer gonna hide from God. You see a lot of the people in these ministries, uh, they haven't perfected it, but they said, you know what? I, I can't afford to wear a mask anymore. I'm no longer, I'm no longer choosing to wear a mask. They are right with God and they are no longer hiding and they have a level of freedom that some of us have no clue about. And so to Al and Sue and to the Jaya ministry, I wanna say thank you for leading us and what it looks like to no longer hide from the Lord. I love that. I love that. Not long ago, a buddy of mine went through a, a painful season where he had some, some sin and he confessed his sin and that came with some consequences and they were very real consequences and painful. And, and I asked him in the middle of it, I said, hey, how are you doing? And this is a friend we've cried together and he said, he said, I'm okay. He said, it feels like open heart surgery. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, it's extremely painful. He said, but it's incredibly life-giving. You see, he wasn't talking about his sin was life-giving. What he was talking about is he was no longer hiding from God or the people he loved. And he said he was able to experience an intimacy with God and with the people that he loved most, unlike any other season of his life. It was all because he stopped hiding. And that's what you and I can do today as well. Pastor Kevin Queen says this. He says, it's what you want to conceal the most that you need to reveal the most so that you can heal the most. I love that. You see, you and I start off right with God. And when we sin, it separates us. It, it separates our relationship with God. And what confession does is it brings us right back into good standing with God. That's what James 4, 8 talks about. He says, come near to God and God will come near to you. And so the first thing I wanna encourage you is stop hiding. The second thing I wanna encourage you to do is this, accept guilt and reject shame. That might sound crazy. Who, who wants to accept guilt? That doesn't sound typically good, but this is what I want. I wanna, I wanna challenge you to think of how you look at guilt. Guilt is actually a good thing. It, it, it reminds me of kind of the idea that if I were to stick my hand on a stove or an oven, okay? If I were to do that, I would feel pain if it was turned on, okay? That pain is actually a really good thing because it makes me move my hand away from the hot surface. If I didn't experience pain, I would keep touching it to the point of death. But because I experienced pain, I learned to not do it again and to be careful. In a similar way, that's what guilt is to your soul. Guilt is a gauge that says something's not right here. Pay attention. You see, but guilt can be misunderstood with shame. You see, guilt is good, but shame is bad. Guilt can lead to one of two options. You could feel remorse, which leads to confession, or you could feel shame, which leads to hiding. Dr. Brene Brown said the difference between shame and guilt is the difference between I am bad and I did something bad. 
You see, I don't know what you're going through, but maybe it's a big mistake and you need to understand you may have made a mistake, but you are not a mistake. You need to accept guilt, but not the shame. You need to accept guilt, but reject shame. I love how Dr. Dr. Chip Todd Dodd says, he says, if Adam and Eve would have cried out instead of hiding out, things would be a lot different. You see, guilt leads to us crying out. Shame leads to us hiding out. So what do we do with our sin? I think Coach, uh, Dr., or I think Coach Dean Smith says it good. Dean Smith was a coach for uh, University of North Carolina, 36 years, won two national championships. He was Michael Jordan's coach, which is a pretty, pretty cool feat in itself. And this is what he said when his players made a mistake. This is what he would tell them. He would say, you, you need to Ralph, R-A-L-F. Now, not like Robert did with Chick-fil-A, not that kind of Ralph, a different Ralph. And this is what Coach Dean Smith would say. He said, you need to recognize it. You need to recognize your mistake. You need to admit it. You need to learn from it. And then you need to forget it. And so that's what he told his players. And I, I think that's right on to what God says. God would say, we need to recognize it. We need to admit it, which is confessing it. Let's learn from it so we don't do it again and then forget it. And you might be thinking, man, uh, what does that mean, forget it? Listen, I've seen people paralyzed spiritually for years because they can't get past something that God forgave them 10 years ago for. God already forgave them and they're so, they're so reminded of the, the shame and the guilt that they can't, they, they can't move forward with that. You see, God's, God's already forgotten it. Psalm 103, 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is to the west. You see, God's, God's moving on and he wants you to experience that same peace. I will say that if your sin has impacted people, you don't need to forget it before you reconcile with them. Another way I'd say it is this. If you sin publicly, I think you should repent publicly. Here's, here's what I mean. If I'm sitting around the dinner table with my family and I, uh, I, I speak inappropriately to my wife, I'm just not kind. I, I say something that I shouldn't say, whatever the case. Uh, my whole family sees that. And then I wake up the next morning I have my time uh, with God and I feel convicted of it and I confess my sin to God. That makes me and God right, but I'm still not right with, with people. After I get right with God and before I forget it, what I need to do is sit my family down and I need to say, hey, listen, last night I, um, I said some things I shouldn't have said to your mom. I didn't treat her the way I should and that, that I didn't treat her in a godly way. And I just want you to know that I've asked God for forgiveness and I need to ask you for forgiveness. The way I treated her was not acceptable. Will you forgive me? You see, uh, that allows us to not only get right with God, but get right with each other. A lot of times we sin, we get right with God, but we never acknowledge that with the people that hurt or even just witnessed our sin. And so they're still looking at us with a stain instead of being able to forgive us and move on. Third thing I wanna encourage us to do in light of our sin is this. Understand that God knows you the best and loves you the most. I want you to think about that for a second. Understand that God knows you the best 
He knows you better than anybody. He knows you better than your mom, better than your spouse, better than your boyfriend, better than your best friend, better than the guy playing that you play Call of Duty with or video. I'm like, God knows you better than anybody on the planet and yet still loves you more than anybody on the planet. That's good news. I want you to think about that. Nobody knows you better than God and nobody loves you more than God. Psalm 139 says that God knit you together. Luke 12 says that God knows the amount of hairs on your head. And then in Luke 15, there's the story of a father and son and the son out of rebellion and selfishness runs, runs away and just parties his life away, just wastes his life. And really he comes to a dead end in so many ways to the point where he recognizes his wrongs and he says, I need to go get right with my dad. And so he has a U-turn in almost every sense of the way and he begins his journey to get right with, with his father. And I want you to listen to how this responds. In Luke 15, 20, it says, but while he was still a long way off, he meaning the son, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. While he was still a long way off. You see, God knows you the best and loves you the most. And even when you and I are a long way off, he's full of compassion. He runs towards us and he gives us a big old hug and he kisses us because he's crazy about you because God is always focused on the relationship, not all the other mess that you and I think he is. God's focused on you and the relationship and that's all he wants. So my prayer is that you would stop hiding that you would recognize that, that you would accept uh, a guilt is good and that you would reject shame and that you would come to understand that God knows you the best and yet loves you the most. The fourth thing I want to uh, encourage you with is to extend grace to those that have hurt you. Extend grace for those that have hurt you. I heard someone once say that if you want to be forgiven, tell God. If you want to feel forgiven, tell someone else. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So after hearing this message, maybe somebody is going to come up to you this week, maybe today, and they're going to apologize. And you have a choice in how you respond. And my prayer is that you would give them the same grace that God has extended to you. You see, you can forgive them and free them and give them peace and joy, or you can rub their nose in it, remind them how bad that hurt you and, and just pile on the shame. And I would say this, fake Christianity is a powerful force of shame application. When somebody comes to you, just pile on the shame. Every chance you get, you pile on shame. True Christianity is a powerful force of shame removal. Now, I love that. True Christianity is a powerful force of shame removal. And when somebody disappoints you, messes up, or asks for forgiveness, you're not there to shame them. You're there to take shame away from them so that they might experience the same peace 
and the same joy and the same love and grace and forgiveness that we've received from God. And my prayer is that we would extend that to someone this week that might approach you. Earlier in the spring of this year, uh, my daughter, Callie Joy, uh, she woke up, I don't know, maybe on the wrong side of the bed. She was a little stressed out. And before she made her way to school, she, she kind of took her stress out on me a little bit. And uh, later in the day, I got a text from her. And this is what the text said. It said, hey, just wanted to apologize for being rude to you this morning. I shouldn't have been rude. I was stressed out and I accidentally took it out on you. Sorry. You want to know what my response was? This was my response. Don't care, you're grounded. I'm just kidding. That, I'm just kidding. That was not my response. I didn't say that. I didn't text that. I didn't send that at all. You see, uh, I was blown away by her text because everybody sins, but not everybody confesses. And when she sent that text, it, it blessed me more than she could ever know. It wasn't long. She took, uh, she, she didn't avoid um, uh, embracing what she did wrong. She didn't avoid blame. She just threw it up. She, she uh, acknowledged what she did wrong. It was simple. It was genuine. It was sincere. And I was like, Callie, absolutely, I forgive you. But what she doesn't know is how much that blessed me and the forgiveness I was able to extend to her. You see, when she sinned, it, it kind of removed. There was distance between us. And when she confessed, it just kind of got us back in right standing because I was eager as her father to forgive her. And how much more is our heavenly father eager to forgive us and get right with us? I want to close with this. There's a gentleman uh, born several hundred years ago, John Newton. Some of you may have heard of him. His life was marked by gambling and profanity and drinking and often contemplated suicide. He even worked on some slave ships through a series of events, became a slave himself, got freed and went back to working on slave ships. And one day on one of these ships, he was reading and kind of uh, in a sense studying God and probably not even realizing it. And God spoke to him in a fresh new way like he'd never heard before. And it was at that moment that he surrendered his life to Jesus. And he went from working on ships with slaves to, be, to becoming a preacher and, and teaching against slavery. And he was so overwhelmed with his sin that he, he confessed it, he surrendered it. He was very aware of it. But he wasn't just aware of his sin. He was equally aware of the grace that God was eager to extend a prodigal like him and like me. And so John Newton ended up writing the song that most of us know called Amazing Grace. You see, in the song Amazing Grace, we can relate to it because it talks of the depths that we've been forgiven. And John Newton was fully aware of his sin, but equally fully aware of the grace of God. Listen, too many of us are fully aware of our sin and not fully aware of the grace that awaits you. Right now, you know your sin, but more than that, I want you to know the grace. 
I want, it, I want you to know the grace that awaits you through Christ Jesus. And that takes place when we confess our sin, when we stop hiding, we stop living in shame, we begin to understand that God loves us the most, even though he knows us the best. And so my prayer and my encouragement for you would be this. At some point today, would you go and listen to the song Amazing Grace and would that just saturate on you? And there's an updated version that Chris Tomlin did that's really beautiful. I wanna encourage you to go check that out as well. Really, really, really beautiful, both of those versions. And so uh, grateful for John Newton, grateful for his story, grateful for his life. And just like he came out of the hiding, and begin to live his best life, my prayer is that you would do the same. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father God, we love you so much. So grateful for you. Thank you for John Newton. I love the song Amazing Grace. And God, would so many of us are aware of our sin. Would you, would you help us to be reminded of your grace though? God, would you give all of us the boldness to come clean, to, to come out of the bushes, to stop hiding? from you to stop living in shame, which is from the enemy and to experience the, the grace that you eagerly are awaiting to give us. And so God, give us the boldness, give us the courage to come clean and to confess our sin. God, you already know our sin. You just wanna hear it from our lips. And so God, would you come and would you give us that boldness so that we could experience that freedom? And Lord, I pray for every single person that's gonna confess today, that's gonna be set free. God, would you do something fresh and new in and through them? And God, maybe there's someone listening today and they, they need to come out of the bushes for the very first time and begin a relationship with you. God, I pray that they would not waste this day, that they would confess their sins and that they would commit their life to you. So Lord, we're grateful. Today's a good day. We thank you for your kindness. And your grace, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you like this podcast, we post a new message every week. So make sure to click that follow button and share it with your friends. Remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible.